Instead of looking at the night with Chessa as a cautionary tale, I came away from the experience fully convinced that it was absolutely necessary to my academic survival for me to be on Adderall all the time. So I redoubled my efforts to make sure that I was high pretty much constantly, which became even easier after I met Griffin, my pseudo-boyfriend for most of junior year, the taker of my virginity, and, most importantly, my introduction to cocaine. He was a private school senior with a pair of wily blue eyes, who lived in a huge glassy house in Laurel Canyon, the prize jewel of Los Angeles. The neighborhood is a haven of amber sunshine that melts slowly over the hills, fossilizing the palm trees and million-dollar homes. Sometimes a wind will disrupt the stillness, or a hawk or a Porsche 911, but for the most part it truly is beautiful and serene. What goes on inside those houses is another story altogether. I practically lived at Griffin's house during my spring break, drinking lemonade, ashing cigarettes into the infinity pool, and turning down the music whenever Griff's parents called to check in from the Maldives. One day, he invited some of his private school buddies over for a barbecue. I walked inside and heard him on the phone placing an order. A pack of hamburger buns, a thing of blue cheese, throw in an onion, and two six-packs of Modelo. I shot him a look at the mention of beer. He smiled. Thanks a lot, he said, and see you soon. Two questions, I said. Uno, did you just order beer? And dos, do you actually expect that to work? Oh yeah, it'll work. I've been doing this since I was 12. Dude at the store isn't going to drive all the way up here on these crazy-ass roads just to bail once he sees I'm underage, especially if I toss him a nice tip. He was completely right, and pretty soon I was floating in the pool with a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. When I heard Griffin's friends drive up, I hopped out, throwing a threadbare Lou Reed t-shirt on over my red bikini top. One of the kids was a Disney Channel heartthrob named Jasper, who pretended to be an orphaned rock star for preteen girls every Monday at 5 p.m. If spiral notebooks and pencil pouches bearing one's image were a sign a person had made it, then Jasper was a bona fide Hollywood legend. In tow was Jasper's girlfriend, Jessica, who wore knee-high boots over studded jeans and was a good five years older than her beau. Jasper ditched more beer and a bottle of champagne on the table. A scrappy, half-goatee guy named Toby slimed up behind them, hands thrust deep into the pockets of his baggy jeans. I'm so hungry I could eat like a meal, Jessica yelled, bouncing up and down. Griff came out with a plate of caprese and set it on the table. He jerked his head in my direction and I folded my legs under me. Guys, this is Layla. Oh my God, she's a baby. Jessica sat down behind me and began braiding my hair. She took the cigarette from my mouth and placed it in her own. Griffin, she's adorable. I made eye contact with Griffin, and he winked, something I'd seen him practice in front of the mirror like a proper future grown-up asshole. Jasper popped open the bottle of champagne and gulped straight from the lip. Gift from a Disney exec, he explained before passing it around. We ate our hamburgers with arugula, and Griffin's friends told stories about him, like the time he took his dad's Emmy in for show-and-tell and lost it. His pop never noticed, and the time he hit a baseball through the window of Michael Bay's Hummer, he was grounded for a week. After dinner, we stayed at the table finishing the beer. 
Toby was curating a playlist on Griffin's laptop and complaining about the lack of quality hip-hop. Jasper cleared his throat and nodded to Jessica. Yo, Griff, Jasper said. You got a mirror or a platter or something? Uh, probably. What for? Or just like something flat and clean? My heart leapt.